We're talking about the victorious lifestyle of thankfulness. The reason why we teach on thankfulness, we said many things. There's no space in between someone who is thankful and someone who is unthankful. There's no middle ground. If you're not thankful, you are unthankful. You're either going to live out of your spirit or you're going to live out of your flesh. The Bible calls you're either going to live out of your inward man or you're going to be governed by your outward man. The Bible says things like this, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded, to live out of your spirit is life, zoe life and peace. To be carnally minded, to live out of your flesh, it only produces death. Here, let me, why don't you go ahead and get this because they're, they're looking on the screen for that. So it only produces death. So this is why if you live out of your spirit, what it will produce is you'll live humble before your God. You'll live in humility. We're going to see in God's word that God will resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Be, walking in humility, what this means is, humility in its purest form is believing the truth. And here is the truth, that without God, I have nothing. Without God, I can do nothing, right? Without God, I know nothing. All that is found in the word of God. You could say those are the in you realities. In him, though, I can know all things, right? I can, I can have and do all things, right? It's completely opposite. So if you live out of your spirit, you're going to live, it's going to produce someone who's walking in humility. In other words, you're doing what? You're being thankful. See, this is, this, there's just two roads and there's no middle road. So every, every Christian is on this. Sometimes you're on one road in one area and another road in another area. But if you live out of your spirit, you'll walk in humility. You will be thankful. And this is what thankfulness, it connects you. Remember how we said this? Being thankful connects you. To the blessing of God. Being thankful puts things in motion behind the scenes, the unseen, to bring the blessing and provision of God into your life. Why is that? Because being thankful connects you to the grace of God, which is God's influence in your life, right? And also his ability flowing through your life. This is so important. When, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you have to live out of your spirit so that you are not trying to be strong in yourself. You're walking humble and you're being strong in him, which means you're going to be thankful. It, it just causes your perception of everything. If you've got three bald tires, you'll be thankful for the, for the good tire that you have. It doesn't matter 
what you see on the outside, you're thankful to God for a lot of things. And that thankfulness connects you. It literally plugs you into the grace of God where now God's influence is in your life and flowing out of your life in the, in the form of his strength and his ability. But if you walk out of your flesh, that means you're governed by your senses, you will always walk in pride. Now here's the thing about pride. If you study pride, the first manifestation of pride is you don't know you're in pride. It blinds you. So if you ever meet somebody who's offended, it's amazing that in the church environment that we are having in right now, these times that we're living in where it is of utmost importance for people to press into the Lord, I'm still seeing just as many people not being in the word, not doing the word, not even being part of a church, thinking they're okay just living their own life. I am dumbfounded. That's dangerous. It's always dangerous. But now, wow. But why is that? Because they're just living out of their flesh. They're looking at things and they're focusing on things they shouldn't focus on. And they get in pride. Pride will blind you. When you're in pride, you think everybody else is the problem. Right? I mean, have you ever met people? Man, I've changed jobs 25 times. Every person, every company I go to work for, Satan is my boss and it's unfair and I'm leaving and I'm going somewhere else. And because they're in pride, they never realize, hey, have you ever considered that the common denominator in your whole mess is you? Every church I go to is just a mess and every pastor is ridiculous. Really? Right? So it's pride because, see, pride will blind you, but then what happens is ultimately it will bring shame into your life and ultimate destruction into your life. Why? Because you're unthankful. See, when you're unthankful, what happens now, everything in your life, you're, you're working on your ability. Now, I got to tell you, in America, in America... Man, you know, we have had kind of the economy and some things where, man, if you, have, if you have some skills in a certain area, you could get a job to make enough to, to, to be okay for you and your family. And we've gotten so used to this. But, you're, but, you know, what's happening is you're living by your ability and your influence, right? It's all about you. But I got to tell you guys, as a pastor who loves you, these days, we're, we're not living in these days anymore. I'd love to tell you everything is going to reset and we're just going to have bliss in America. The only problem with that is these are birth pangs. Have you ever seen a woman, you know, she's going into labor. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't normally... You know, you get, you, you hit eight centimeters dilated and all of a sudden you're like, oh, and you push through and that ninth and 10 centimeter dilation, you're just kind of like hanging out. Oh, wait, it's, oh yeah, it's just got easier for me. No, right? You, us men who are there, we're looking at our wives going, honey, father, I thank you that I'm a guy. 
right? It's birth pangs. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. But see, we don't want to live here. And, and here's the thing. Everybody's living one of two places. You're living one of two places. So this is why we build a lifestyle of thankfulness and it connects us to victory. Right? This is so important. So I'm just going to keep this up here while we teach. I would write that down. Our foundational scriptures, remember those, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This word give, again, is the Greek word that means he adds the victory to us. He causes us to be victorious, to walk in the victory. Why does he do that? Because we're walking in the grace of God. Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God. We're going to look at examples in Jesus' life. He, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 14, talking about Jesus, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. What, what, what did it say? He was full of grace. He was full of truth. I mean, you see it all through the word of God. It's important that we walk in the grace of God. 2 Corinthians 2.14, another foundational scripture. It says the same thing, just a little bit different. It kind of it adds to it. 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph, right? And makes manifest the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. In other words, God is to be thanked because he always gives us the victory and he always causes us to triumph. This is huge. In other words, thanksgiving, victory, and triumph are all connected. You'll never walk in victory. You'll never walk in triumph without being thankful. Impossible. Right? You won't be able to experience it here, which is where we need it. Thanksgiving, victory, and triumph are all connected. We made this statement the last few weeks that thankfulness increases your capacity to receive from the Lord. Why is that? Because it, what it does is it increases your capacity to walk in his grace. So in other words, you're opening up your life so that the very influence, strength, and ability of God is not only influencing you on the inside, but all that is manifesting on the outside. Manifesting, what do you mean by that? In healing, health, strength, walking in love, restoration, deliverance. That's a manifestation outwardly of the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It's the finished work of Jesus. But see, 
The finished work of Jesus will do you no good outside of when you die, you'll go to heaven. Although, man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about he who endures till the end will be saved, right? That word saved means healed. It means delivered. It's not how you start this race, it's how you finish it. You get diagnosed with something in your body. Listen, it doesn't matter that you're in faith for three days. You need to be in faith until it changes in your body, right? So this is a huge, huge thing. In other words, we said this, that something has to happen in me to increase my capacity to walk in the grace and strength and ability of God. Thanksgiving, it puts things in motion. It always puts things in motion. So in other words, we said this, thanking God for what is to come is a spiritual force that connects me to all the blessings of God that he promised me in his word. And it all comes down here, being thankful. Well, how do I do that? I've got to live out of my spirit. I've got to stay humble so that I stay thankful. And see, what, what is this, when you see this human spirit versus your flesh, what will determine where you're living out of is what you're looking at and what you're listening to and who you're associating with. Always. If you stop meditating in the word, the minute you stop meditating in the word and start looking at, at too much TV, too much news, you start hearing some stuff, whatever, you start hearing wrong things and all of a sudden it'll jump you right into, this, into your spirit and it can, or into your flesh and it'll produce death in your life. So we gotta watch, we have to watch. Jesus said this, he said, guys, be careful what you're hearing. Be careful who you're hearing be careful how you're hearing. Because see, if you start living out of, out of your spirit, you'll start seeing things as they really are. But if you live out of your flesh, pride's going to be there and it's going to blind you. You're going you're gonna to see things wrong. You'll come into the presence of God where things are happening and moving. It's amazing. You get in a meeting and you sense the presence of God and you'll see somebody sitting in a chair and you could tell they are just sensing the move of God and the person right next to them is bored, senseless. Right? Why is that? It's because of where they're looking. Are they, are they God-centered or are they self-centered? Right? Remember Romans Chapter 8, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's the same deal. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus literally is the very love of God. Never considers itself. It's God-centered. And what comes out of that law of the spirit of life? It, what comes out of it is faith. And it attaches you to all the blessing of God. It attaches you to the grace of God. But if you live under the law of sin and death, which you've already been delivered out of, that's why Paul said, hey, don't live anymore in this. You've been delivered out of this. 
What will that, what is the law of sin and death? It's self-centeredness. It's the very nature of Satan. It's a nature that's in your flesh, right? It'll connect you to what? Fear, which will connect you. It'll open every door to connect you to everything Satan can do to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Again, two roads. It's almost like everything is Deuteronomy 30, 19. I set before you, right? Death and life or life and death, blessing and cursing. And then God says, in case you're confused, choose life. And notice it doesn't say so that you could live. It says so that you and your seed. Man, parents, choose life. Yeah, but you don't understand. My kids don't even live around me and they're just out doing all. Choose life. You choose life because you, you have a scripture that say, if you choose life, it's going to affect your seed, right? Big stuff. We have to stir up this lifestyle of being thankful. Hallelujah. Living with Christ and living in Christ. Living in the secret place and walking in divine health when there's plagues and pestilence and walking in divine provision to where literally when people look at your life, they're like, oh my gosh, God is blessing you. And you simply smile and go, yeah, and it, it could be yours too, right? Nothing will stop the church. God is irresistible. And the more they try to stop the church, the more people are gonna get free. I'm, I'm just so excited about that. But look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. It says this. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed in humility. Why? Why do you need to be clothed in humility? This is why. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Wow. Listen, I don't know about you. My father loves me. And I, I, don't, I, know, I know he doesn't ever want to hold me at arm's length. So that's why I have to listen to this. Because he wants to pour his grace He's like, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help you in your time of need. But, but if you get into pride, he's going to have to, he's going to have to hold, hold you back because it's like, no, 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 no. I can't move in your life. I want to, but I can't. It would violate you, your will. I couldn't, I can't pour that on you, but it would also violate my word which he can't. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This word humility means a lowliness of mind. It means the esteeming of ourselves small. I love when the word of God says, little children. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Compared to God, oh, I, oh yeah. Some of my most incredible plans that I worked really hard on this plan, it's like a little sketch from my two-year-old grandson. 
you know, or my four-year-old grandson who's, who, who draws something. And man, when he comes home, you know, he shows us, right? He show, look at this, Papa. And I'm like, wow. You know, and I mean, we, we get it. And we, man, that thing is nailed right to the door. So we see it every day. That's God. He's like, oh, Tony. Man, you got this plan to change the world. That's awesome. It's like a little colored outside the lines thing compared to him. And he, he takes that and he's like, that's real, Tony, that's so nice. You know, I'm going to actually tape that to my throne. You know, I, I'm just very pleased with you. Right? You esteem yourself small. Not, now this is, you're thinking, now wait a minute. Wait a minute, I've got to, I got to be positive. Well, that is positive. Because, see you, Kevin. He's got to go to a meeting. So he comes, he's so hungry. I got to come. I can only be here a few minutes, but I'm going to come. I think that's awesome. What a great man of God. So, so, I mean, think about this. You esteem yourself small in comparison to him. See, I've been created to do everything with him and in him. Not by myself. But now if you're prideful, you got a problem with that. Right? But if you're prideful, you got a problem. Bigger problem than that. <clears throat> so let's keep going. This word humility means... A deep sense of one's littleness. I mean, I have a deep sense that what God has called me to do, there is no way I can do it in my own strength, in my own ability. There's just no way. There's no way I'll ever be able to be good enough in my own ability and my own strength to be able to stand before him at the end of my life in a very short time. And all of us, guys, we're not down here very long. To stand before him and hear those words, well done. No, we're going to have to rely on him. I love that. Do you know when you have a deep sense of one's littleness, do you know what that means you are? You're a world overcomer. Why? Because, well, we'll get into it. But Paul said, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Because his strength is brought to maturity in my weakness. I love that. It says, God resists the proud. He sets himself against the proud. But... He gives grace. Now, this is what I want you to see, and we've talked about this before. The word grace is an interesting Greek word. It's the word charis. I think we were, I think maybe Sunday I was talking about this. It means the divine influence of God on your heart and, and that manifestation out of your life. He influences you inwardly, which shows up outwardly. His power and his ability shows up on the outside. I love that. Favor done without expectation of return. That's what grace means. It means God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. 
Wow, it's the finished work of Christ. So here is, why do we have humility and thankful? Because thanksgiving is an exercise of humility. If you're not walking in humility, you, it's impossible for you to be thankful. Thanksgiving is an exercise in humility, in true humility. Thanksgiving is literally acknowledging your help. Right? When, when, you, when you read in the word that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain, and you meditate on that and the Holy Spirit opens that scripture on the inside of you and you realize that what's attacking your body, he already bore it so you don't have to. You're just like, oh, I'm so thankful. What are you doing? You're acknowledging that he's helped you. Right? To grow in the grace of God, to grow in the grace of God, you must learn how to humble yourself and express gratitude to him. Because literally thankfulness, it comes out of humility. It's the exercise of the humble. Right? This is, this is a huge truth. So now jump over to Romans chapter 5. I think that's amazing that the Lord was really burning in my heart. This, this scripture, Romans chapter 5, has been burning in my heart. I think I taught some of this to the men. We taught about it in two services Sunday. Here we are again Wednesday night. It says, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned. In other words, because of Adam's sin, death. The Bible says when Adam sinned, sin entered this earth realm and death entered this earth realm because of sin. It says, much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So as we break this down, here's a big one, much more. So it means because of Adam's sin, death reigned, but so much more than that because of what Jesus did now, you could reign in life if you'll literally lay hold of the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. And this word, if you'll receive it, it's a, it's a little bit vague, but this word receive means to lay hold of something and continue in it. It's, it's in the continual present tense. So it means that you lay hold of it and you continue to grow in it. Now, you, don't, you can't grow in righteousness because you'll never be more righteous than you are when you get born again, but you will grow in your knowledge of how to operate in your righteousness and all that that means. But now grace, you can grow in grace. And we're going to talk about that. The Bible commands us to grow in grace. That our life is to be marked by us growing in the grace of God. Do you know how many believers have went to church their whole life and they've never heard that? All those days are changing. You're going to see an up, a, a resurgence of the word of God as never before. It has to happen. 
in order because the word is the only thing that's going to wake people up right the abundance of grace they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness it says that they will reign in zoe life in other words they'll have full and superior dominion why because now they not only possess the very essence and quality of life that god has but they now know how to walk in it in other words people will walk the way jesus walked the bible says he was full full of eternal life in him was life, zoe, and the life was the light or the development of men. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, we have four books in the New Testament that show us a picture of what it's like to be full of grace, full of truth, and full of zoe life. He was never fearful, right? You see in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is under so much pressure because he knows he walks in a full revelation that he is what it means to be the sacrificial lamb. That he is going to bear the weight and judgment of all the sin of all mankind. Be separated from his father. At, we know for three hours. They said Isaiah prophesied to look at him when the sins and the, and the weight of all the sin spiritual death hit him it said to look on his body on the cross he did not look human this roman centurion who oversaw the crucifixion this they were masters at crucifying people they crucified he this guy probably crucified hundreds maybe thousands of people and never saw anything like what he saw that day and jesus didn't even die the normal death Everybody died the same way. When you're crucified, you literally drowned. You can't breathe. So that's how you drowned. You can't lift yourself up to breathe and you just, well, you suffocate. Jesus died, his heart exploded. Because we know that when they pierced his side, blood and water flowed out. His heart exploded when he said, It is finished. He took our place. But in the garden, the Bible says he got to the point where the blood vessels underneath his skin, so much stress. Most people, they have, they've seen this before, but most people die. But literally, he was able to pull on the grace of God, the influence of his father, that from within, that manifested from without, that when he got up from that position, the Bible says he walked out of that garden and met those Roman soldiers. And there was so much power when they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He says, I am. And when he mentioned the redemptive name of God, 300 to 600 fully armed Roman soldiers were knocked down under the power of God. No fear, no more fear, no nothing. The, it was the grace of God that strengthened him through that whole thing. Paul called some of the stuff he went through light affliction. Why? 
because he tapped in to the grace of God. How did he do that? He lived out of his spirit. He was humble. He was thankful. In the Philippian jail, what did they do? They, they prayed and they sang praises. And it shook the whole jail, producing a harvest of souls. Grace is a source of power that produces inward strength. What kind of power? Oh, the power of God. Do you know that you have the power of God in you? And it is there. The grace of God is there for you to strengthen you. The Bible says this, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him through weakness and sickness and things. It'll sustain you. Grace is God doing for me what I could never do for myself. Grace is literally the divine deposit of the ability of God in a person. It literally, I mean, think about that. It's a divine deposit of God on the inside of a human being which produces outward manifestations of God's very ability. And he says that we are to walk in the grace of God. How do we do that? Listen, you'll never do it if you're unthankful, but you'll walk in all of it if you'll choose to be thankful. This is, see, I've taught classes on grace, but I've never, I've never seen it like I do now, how important thankfulness is in, in faith, in righteousness, in everything. It's so important because if you're not thankful, it shows that you're not in the right place. You're living out of your flesh. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you could quote every scripture in the Bible. You won't walk in any of it. So there's two components from Romans 5.17 that I have to have. We said this Sunday for me to reign in life, for me to completely live on this earth at this time like Jesus lived. I have to. I must continually take hold and grow in grace. I must grow in the operation of grace. I must grow in in operating in grace. Well, how do you do that? The Holy Spirit has to lead you into that. But I could tell you this, how you do it, what you do is get thankful. You walk humble. You meditate in the word day and night. This is why there's people out there, well, you know what? I'm just not gonna forgive this person. Well, I'm just not gonna go to church. Well, I'm just not gonna read my Bible. Oh, tithing and giving, yeah, just I'm not gonna do that. You can do that, but guess what? You're here, or I'm sorry, you're here, and you'll never, you'll never tap into all that God has for you, and you need to. So very, very important. Boy, it's so funny how pastors are afraid to teach that. See, a lot of people, they'll get, see, they, there's, there's a difference between repentance and remorse. There's a lot of people that get in remorse. They just have so much inner turmoil because they, they sit in church and they hear this stuff and they know they're remorseful because I am not willing to do that. And doggone it, I just can't have the blessing of God. And they finally play some games in their mind and they end up leaving. And they got to go get in, a, in an environment of church where they can go hear something that's not going to press them. 
But what, the, what happens though, man, if you have inner turmoil here tonight, I'm happy for you. Because inner turmoil could lead you into life. Don't ever run. I tried running from inner turmoil. I'm just so glad I never got too far where my heart got so hard I didn't sense it anymore and I completely missed the plan of God for my life. People sitting in church going, I have no desire for God at all. Right? I love, I would love if a person just came up to me and said, Pastor, you know, what would you say to me? I hear all this stuff. I just don't care. I'd be like, you're 90% there right now. You actually are honest. Because I could help you. If you really are willing to acknowledge you just don't care and you're not hungry. Uh, Pastor, I haven't prayed. I haven't read my Bible in forever. You know, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I think this is kind of cool. And I come here to maybe see some friends or I want them to think okay. But man, I sit here and the minute you start preaching, I can't wait till it's over. I can work with that because here's the deal. You can change that in a minute. All you got to do is start reading. Just start feeding on the word of God. You just start feeding on it. It's hilarious. You'll be bored out of your head. And he begat him. Don't start in Matthew chapter one. Right? But you'll, you'll just be bored. And then you'll go and then, then the enemy will sit on your shoulder going, come on. You don't even know what, what this is even talking about. And if you're honest with it, you're going, yeah, you know, I really don't. I, have no, I don't even want to know what the superfluity of naughtiness is. Right? That just sounds stupid. If I say that in school, I'll be the most unpopular person in the world, right? But if you'll just keep feeding, because this is not ink on a page. This is Jesus. It's full of life and power. And he's irresistible. And the more that you feed, I would encourage you, if this is where you are, if you're online, if this is where you are, if you want to change your whole life, get up first thing in the morning and spend time with God. At the middle of the day, spend time with God. At the end of the day, before you go to bed, you want to, you want to not have nightmares and stuff like that. Listen, the reason why people have all that junk is because of they're watching movies and they're watching all this nonsense and then they go to sleep. Or they fall asleep with the stupid nonsense on. And they wonder why Satan's able to mess with their mind. But you go to sleep after spending time with the Lord in his word, praying to him. Do that three times a day and come see me in three months. You'll be like, Wow! pastor I still don't really you know I don't really know anything but wow and then you'll be like but you know one thing I, I'm you know I don't want to really say this very loud but man I'm kind of self-centered and we'll all smile and go yeah we know because <laughs> can't you see self-centeredness eight miles away I have a PhD in it I could see it everywhere because why oh yeah done that been there yeah really done that too right we, we know it because we've walked in all this stuff. People who, 
I mean, the worst, what the world would consider the worst sinner in the world that walks in a church should be met by a bunch of people and go, hey man, you're welcome here. Join the club. Because the only difference between us here and the people in the world, they don't know what's wrong with them. But we know now. We know, wow, that's all nonsense. But you start feeding on Jesus and his grace starts kicking in. His influence starts being stern on the inside of you. See, when that stirs, when that influence is stirring because you're meditating in the word, there's so much power in it, it will look for a way to escape. When I say charis, when you look at this Greek word, it's like the very power of God on the inside of you, the very ability on God, when you start stirring it, it starts growing. And it's going to look for an ad- it's going to look for an opening to get released and pretty soon man you get full of the word and where you would normally say something stupid you'll speak and go wow I never said that before Normally I'm just complaining all the time and all of a sudden here I am I just minding my own business I'm going down the road and all of a sudden a manifestation of the grace of God the influence is so strong all of a sudden in the middle of driving down Dodge I just start thanking God and praising God tears start flowing what is wrong with me this is what's wrong with you you started living out of your spirit all of a sudden you started seeing yourself as you really are and you got really thankful. You know, guys, if you lived the worst life for the rest of your short time on this earth, we're still doing really good. We still win. But I've got good news for you. God has no plan for you to live this horrible life on the earth. Now, will you have some pressure? Will it, will, will it be inconvenient? Will it not be easy? Are there going to be pressures, storms? Are you going to go into the fire? Yeah. But you're never going to go in alone. And you're never, you're never going to have any of it attach itself to you. Because why? Well, whoever's born of God overcomes the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you have to continually take hold of and grow in the abundance of grace and you have to continually grow in your revelation of the gift of righteousness. What does that mean? You're continually growing in the revelation of who I have been made in Christ. If you're taking notes, I would put made righteous equals who I have been made in Christ. God wants you to know. And then let's jump over to Romans chapter 5, verse 21. In Romans 5, 21, it says, That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might the grace of God, it reigns through righteousness unto eternal life it doesn't say by eternal life it literally the grace the very ability of god his influence in your heart and it's manifesting out in your life it literally has full and superior dominion 
through righteousness and literally it brings you more and more into the zoe eternal life of god what do you mean by that do you do you have any more zoe life than you had when you got saved no but it brings you more into it you know how to walk in it see i'm telling you divine healing is awesome But there's two things better than divine healing. Now, if you're sick or you have any symptoms, divine healing is awesome. But God doesn't want you to stop there. He wants you to go from divine healing to where now you're walking in divine health. That means no medical procedures, no medication, no pain. But that's not even where he wants you to stop. Now he wants you to, he wants to teach you about divine life. That's when a sickness or a disease hits your body, it just dies. Because it can't live. Well, how do you grow in that? Grace. You increase your capacity to receive. How, How do I increase my capacity? How do I go from divine healing to divine health to divine life? This is how you go. Thankful. I am so thankful I'm saved. Man, if I left the earth tonight, which I'm not going to, I'd be, I'm thankful. But I got to tell you, I'm not leaving this planet one minute early because I refuse to let the enemy win. I want to please my God. He died for me. He gave himself for me. So I want to do everything down here that he wants me to do. And I'll do all of it with him and in him. Right? See, this verse, verse 21, it has to do with operating in something. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, being justified, that means I was declared righteous by faith, I now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, And because, and and by him, by the Lord Jesus Christ, I have access by faith into this grace, which causes me to do what? Stand and what? Don't forget this part. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hope is future. See, if you got sickness in your body, you're standing and you're rejoicing in this future expectation, wow, this is going to be so cool when everybody sees that I have no more sickness in my body. When they see me free from this, and then I could preach the rest of my days how God healed my body. No matter what my financial life is, no matter what depression, anxiety, you name it, restoration, when all oh, the testimony of what God did right? Faith is for the purpose of taking possession of the grace of God, which the grace of God, it causes you to stand. The Bible says, having done all to stand, stand. You know how you do that? You live out of your spirit, which you get humble. You get thankful. That's how you stand. Because how we're in the grace wherein we stand. See, the grace of God causes you to stand, not your own ability. 
You don't have to work this thing out. You don't have to fix the mess you made. You don't have to fix the mess somebody else threw on you. We're going to see here's a big roadblock to thankfulness. We're going to talk about some of these things. One of them, got to get this out of your life. I deserve. That has to be gone. You won't be thankful if you think you deserve it. Another one. Everybody repeat after me. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) Pastor, I love you. Got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Can't pity yourself. No, no pity. Don't feel sorry. This was just unfair. Can't do it. Because if you do it, guess where you're at? You're right here. And you're, and you're cutting God off from rocking the world. To, do you realize how much God loves you? He will move. He, I mean, he just, he'll do anything for you. We know that because he sent Jesus. To be honest with you, I should say that correctly. He already did everything for you. He loved you so much, he did everything before you ever showed up. Look at this, 2 Peter chapter 1. Let me just go a couple minutes. If I don't go a couple more minutes, I'm going to explode. So just, just this, is, this is more for me than it is for you right now. Okay, so this is your ministry in your pastor's life. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. It says here, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? Through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So how, I mean, not even added. Multiply. See, why, why is that? How does that work? Because as I gain knowledge of who God is and who the Lord Jesus is, what does it do for me? How do I gain that knowledge? Not out of my flesh. I gain it out of my spirit, which causes me to be humble. And oh, the more knowledge I get of him, I just get thankful, right? And as I get thankful, the grace of God is added to me. And then the cherry on top of that Sunday is the peace of God. It's multiplied to me. When God, see, we think of multiplication, but nobody knows how to multiply like God. Man. So this, this is so important. Now, if you go to 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'll close with this scripture. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, but grow in grace. And you could say it this way, and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Growing in grace is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing work. I'm telling you guys, I believe that we're going to be, Faith Family Church is going to be a place where we're just all going to grow in grace together. And we're going to see God do miraculous things because I can tell you this. Remember how I said, you want the miraculous? The miraculous miracles, signs, wonders, they flow out of thankfulness. They flow. So I believe as we get into this, 
You know, wear your steel-toed shoes if you want, right? But as we get into this, the grace of God, we're going to be grown in grace. I expect all of you to be, to be grow in grace between now and Sunday. I'm telling you as you grow in grace, here's the thing. All things become possible to you because you're growing in the knowledge. See, you'll never be able to grow in grace beyond how you grow in knowledge of Jesus. I should say this, knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? The anointed one and his anointing. Because, man, you start mixing the grace and the anointing and look out. I could tell you this, people are going to flock to places where the anointing is at. And nothing in this world will ever be able to stop it. People will stand in a field 20 below zero to receive the anointing of God. People will stand in 120 degree weather for hours to receive. I mean, I hear stories of people. I met one guy. He was with, uh, who was it? Reinhard Bonnke for years. I remember when I met him, he's a Ramagrad. He was with Reinhard for years. Reinhard Bonnke would just have, I mean, I saw one there were three million people. Could you imagine preaching to three million people? It, they had a helicopter that took off with a camera and you couldn't see the end. It's, it's on the internet. It's, it's amazing. But this guy, he goes, I, I said, so what are you doing? He goes, oh, you know, he goes, he goes I just do smaller crusades. You know, and, 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 and I'm, he goes, you know, usually we have, you know, eight, 10,000 people. We just do little crusades. And he said, he said, we never lay hands on the sick. He said, they just all get healed. We just preach the word and they just get healed. He says, now, the, we have a section for blind people because sometimes when a blind person's eyes open and they've never seen, they kind of freak out a little bit and they could hurt themselves. They could run into something or whatever. So they kind of surround them. You know, they get kind of workers, so... That, that if they, that they just kind of freak out, they could kind of grab hold of them and say, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, they're real happy, but they have no concept of, you know, they've never seen a, a tree or a wall before, right? But he said they just get healed. But here's the difference. Here's a mother that has a, has a nine-month-old baby, and there's no doctor, and there's no medicine, and this baby's dying. And they'll walk for three days to come to a meeting because they hear that Jesus is healing people. It's not like America. We come into church and go, man, worship better be good. The light show better be good. And pastor, man, your genes aren't skiddy enough or you need to just, you need to be dynamic or else. But I got to tell you, nothing is more dynamic than the anointing. And thankfulness is the key, guys. Amen?